All right, I'm back. I'm recovered. Thank you so much. So how many of you are Rams fans? All the way? Diehard Ram fan. How many of you definitely want the Patriots to win? There's Patriots fans over there. All right, check this out. I know that you just saw, huh? I know you just saw a tug of war, but many of us don't realize that there's a tug of war happening inside your heart. At this moment, there's a tug of war over your heart and soul. And you might not realize it, but it's happening every day. Turn your scriptures to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says this, if, if everyone's there. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. You see, your decisions every day are either influenced by the devil's lies or by God's truth. It's one or the other. Sometimes, obviously, it's a combination of both throughout the day. You might listen to the devil's lies or you might listen to God's truth. And one of the things we need to realize for each of us, that the most spiritual decision that we make every day is probably not what you're thinking. How many of you think it's prayer? We might think prayer is the most spiritual decision. We might think reading the Bible is the most spiritual decision we can make. You might think attending church is the most spiritual decision you can make. But the truth is, for each of us, that our everyday decisions, just the fact of being able to make a decision, it's a spiritual action. And it's the greatest spiritual action you can make every day. So whether you realize it or not, every single person, you're making spiritual decisions and actions with everything that you do. And so many times we don't realize that we're choosing a voice to listen to because there's a voice that's trying to influence us. Now, if you could turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. It says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So right there you see right off the bat, it says no one can serve two masters. And it also tells you this, like for you to see this clearly, it says you either have to hate one and love the other, but you can't do both. But you know what the situation with us many times is that we don't hate one and love the other. What ends up happening is that we love one and we love the other. Because if you're here you'll see as we continue that we definitely are tempted to follow and serve and love 
something beyond God. So here, as we see, it's like you cannot serve both God and money. And in the scriptures here where you see money, it doesn't just refer to physical bills or coins or anything like that. It's in general wealth. Is money, pretty much material things, possessions, the wealth that you have overall. And here it says you can't have two masters. You can't. You can't love God and love money at the same time. You have to love one and hate the other. Now, right now, this moment, as you're sitting here, I want you, you might say to yourself, it's like, you know what, Carlos? I don't have this problem. I don't, like, love money, and, and you know, I definitely love God. But throughout this teaching, you're going to be challenged and really think deep into your heart if that might be the case for you. Because when we look, is that as we are in this journey trying to be a disciple of Jesus, Jesus knew that this was one of the biggest things that was competing with people's hearts in general, not only during that time, but in general. Many of us don't realize Jesus ended up speaking 38 parables to, uh, in total that we know of that's written. But out of the 38 parables that he said, 16 of them had to do with money, possessions, wealth, because he knew that that was the biggest thing that would be competing with our hearts. And then in addition to that, many of us don't realize, but in the scriptures in the New Testament, about 500 scriptures deal with prayer, about 500, a little bit less than 500 deal with faith, and about 2,000 scriptures in the New Testament has to do with money, wealth, material things, possessions. So for us, we need to really realize is that not that Jesus was saying, of course, that like knowing that topic is more important than the other ones, but he was diving deep into our hearts, trying to look at the very thing that's trying to keep us away from God. And when you look at your own life, I wonder if you're trying to serve two masters. Because obviously you, we can't serve two masters. We really can't. Because there's no way you could walk and follow Jesus, going after Jesus, if you're getting pulled to a different direction. So you need to decide, it's like, whose voice are you going to listen to? Who are you going to surrender to? Who are you going to end up obeying? And let me tell you, money in itself is not bad. It's the love of money that's the problem. And for us, we need to know, and we're reminded in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says this. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. Have you ever known anyone like that? Maybe it was yourself. Eager for money, you've wandered from your faith. Okay? And then it continues. And pierced themselves with many griefs. And that, that passage is so powerful because it, it makes it very clear that as you chase after money, you love money, you trust money, you give everything for money, all of a sudden, you could easily wander away from God, and it pierces your soul with many griefs. 
Because when you think about it, too, it's how many people, because of their desire for money, are almost never home? You, you chase after money so much, you forgot that you're a spouse, that you have a husband and wife at home. You chase money so much that you forgot that you're a father, that you're a mother. It's like all of a sudden money becomes the obsession of the person. You chase money so much that a lot of times you might even gamble things away. Or you compromise your convictions. All of a sudden you know that certain things are not right for you to do at work. But you compromise it because you might think that you might be able to add a couple extra dollars into your account. Couple direct, straight from the direct deposit, all of a sudden you cheat what actually you're worth, you could say, just for the sake of some money, but is it worth it? Not at all. And it pierces your soul with grief. So for all of us, we need to think, it's like we could easily see how so many people would end up going and know that cha because of chasing money, we realize that love for money is the root of all evil. And a lot of times we, we think ourselves that the root of all evil, we think of pretty much murder, we think of crime, we think of all these big things. But we don't even have to go that far. It's like, because the truth is, if you look deep into your heart, what evil comes out of our heart a lot of times is, is pride. When you chase after money, you could get prideful. When you chase after money, you end up losing your identity of who you are with God and who you're becoming with the money that you decide to worship. You mean all of a sudden it's like you, you live a life that's not grateful. Like even this morning, our worship set, so many times we said how God is great and he's good and he's amazing. And how many times if we chase after money, it's never enough, and we're discontent, completely discontent. So when you think about it, it affects your identity, pride starts slipping in, you're discontent, and what ends up happening without even realizing it, you start worshiping money. You start worshiping money. Because all of a sudden, you rely and you trust money more than anything else. All of a sudden, your trust is not in God Almighty, that pretty much is the ruler of all. Your trust is in what your paycheck is going to be and trying to increase that as much as possible. Now, obviously, I told you, money is not a bad thing, but when our trust shifts and it's not towards God but towards money, towards what you could get from money, all of a sudden, God is not our source but what you could physically do or the money that you could end up getting ends up being your source. Now, I'm going to do a little test today just to see where in, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to do anything like that. This is for you to analyze your own heart, for you to evaluate your own heart to know what's going on, okay? So I'm going to pretty much say two statements and in these two statements, you need to try to see which voice, representing two voices, one you could say from God, and the other one it's like tainted a little bit, and you'll see what I mean when I say it, which voice 
would motivate you more to do what it's call, calling you to do? Which voice not only would it motivate you more, inspire you more, or be willing for you to obey more than the other? So we'll see. Here, this is the first one. I have a feeling you've heard this before. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Jesus speaking to the disciples, and it says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, last week, Joel did a great job pretty much letting us realize that there's a heaven and hell, letting us realize God told this pretty much for all of us that believe we're Christians, right? And we want to follow his way to be a disciple. We believe this is our mandate for all of us. And that's why even the mission of our church is to love God. It's based from this. This is the job description of every Christian. And if there's any person that would say it, that we should listen to it and obey it, would be Jesus himself. And Jesus said it in Matthew 28. And obviously he said it in a couple of locations. And I guarantee you, he probably told his disciples every day, reminding them of the greatest commandment. So here we know what Jesus said. Now my question to you is, how motivated are you? How inspired are you to obey and be committed to what Jesus said? Like, are we living this at this moment? Or is this just something nice to say at the moment for us to listen to, process, and really try to, like, know, okay, that's pretty much what he wants us to do. And when the opportunity ends up coming by, I'll end up doing it. Is that our mindset? You know, and what, what Joel mentioned, too, is that Jesus didn't select just a couple of his disciples to do it. He told all of his disciples. So if right now, imagine we could go back in time, and Jesus is speaking, and he could speak to all of us as disciples. Jesus would say this to all of us, no matter if you're introvert or extrovert, no matter if you like to talk in front of people or you don't, no matter if... Pretty much whatever status or wherever you are in your life, this is a command from God that we should obey. So I wonder in your heart, and you're the only one that could really be truthful to yourself to figure this out. Are you willing to obey what Jesus said? Now, that's the first voice. How many of you want to hear the second voice? All right, I'm going to ask again because some of you fell asleep. How many of you want to hear the second voice? Okay. Now, the second voice, it's a little tainted. And it says this. Imagine the second voice is someone telling you that you would get paid $1,000 for every person that you share Jesus to. And you help them become a disciple. Every person that you share the gospel to, all of a sudden, you, re, you refresh your phone. You know, you refresh it. And you see your bank account going, ding, ding, extra $1,000 popping up. 
$1,000 for every single person you end up sharing Jesus to. I guarantee you many of us will quit our jobs. I guarantee you quit your job. I see you on Broad Street all day. Elizabeth Ave, you'll be outside the courthouse. You'll be outside a stop and shop. You're about to go shop. Let me tell you, let me tell you, you're probably shopping for meaning in life, right? Let me tell you who the real meaning. You'll be talking about every, to everyone about Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But the things change because money is now a motivator. The love of money is the root of all evil. All of a sudden, money could lead you to obey Jesus more than his words alone. And if we're honest with ourselves, I think all of us, that's something we would struggle with. Like, you know, it's like, oh, what, $1,000? You tell me if I could walk on Elizabeth Avenue and share the gospel and lead, let's say, three or four people to the Lord, all of a sudden I have $4,000 in my account. So when you think about it, in your own heart, you might have never thought that there's a love for money. But if you could look deep within your heart, there is. There's a love for money, and a lot of times the love for money is greater and deeper than the love for God. Because God doesn't have to give us money. God doesn't have to do anything for us. He's God. And if he commands us to do something, We're supposed to drop everything and do whatever he wants us to do. But if all of a sudden the attachment of money amplifies the command, all of a sudden the attachment of the thousand dollars, all of a sudden it motivates us to do what he wants us to do. At this moment in your heart, the truth is there's a love for money that's unhealthy. There's a love for money that's greater than the love that we should have to follow God's command. I'm going to read to you. You could turn 1 Timothy 6, 9. It says this. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. Okay? And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So right here you would see that it tells you that you fall into temptation because because we want to be rich. You're chasing after that money, the love of money. All of a sudden you start falling into temptation and you fall into a trap. We might not realize it, but at this moment, you might be in a trap. At this moment, you might think you're free, but spiritually, you're actually like in a cage. And the cage that you're in is a cage of discontent. You're never content. You always want more and more. You know, all of a sudden, that cage that you're in, it's like all of a sudden, what you want is just more and more material wealth, whatever you could get more than God in your life. I want to introduce, many of you might not know, but I have a new little baby in my house. It's a little, it's a dog, don't worry. Uh, I'm going to show you the first picture of little Willow right there. That's Jen with Willow. 
Willow is a mini husky, uh, so she's, she's really, really cute. My wife, she's cute too. Um, and the next picture, uh, that's Willow. Um, she ran into our bathroom and got the toilet paper. I trained her very well. You know, like to, I potty trained her really well. She goes to the back to the bathroom, but she takes her own toilet paper roll to go to the bathroom. I could teach you how to do that at a later time. But the reason why I'm highlighting little Willow it's just, to me, it's amazing how she's willing to sacrifice, like, pretty much being in a cage for just a couple crumbs. And I'll tell you why. Anytime I want her to go inside her cage, because I'm about to leave and I need to, her to be there, let's say, for two to three hours, whatever it is, all of a sudden, she doesn't want to go in. I'm like, Willow, inside the cage. She looks at me and be like, nah, yo, chill. And she runs the opposite direction. So Willow doesn't want to go inside the cage. But then all of a sudden, I just go grab like four little pellets of food. Four little. Come on, man. That, that, thing, that thing doesn't even cost a penny. Four, four little pellets of food and just roll it into the cage. Be like, Willow. Psst. All of a sudden, she's like, ha, <laughs> with her tail wagging, full speed, dives into the cage. And I just put the two little clips, gotcha. And then all of a sudden, I'm gone. We might laugh, but some of that is us. Satan looks at you, looks at your life, and be like, you know what? You're not chasing after God. You love money, material things, wealth more than anything else. It's like Satan looks at you just like I look at Willow. Be like, look at you. You have the God of the universe that owns everything, that everything belongs to him. He's the greatest resource you could ever have in your life, always with you. But all of a sudden, you actually trust what you could make out of your own hands, the paycheck that you might end up getting, or chasing after money, thinking that money gives you security when really the only security we have is in God. So all of a sudden, Satan looks at you be like, all right, come, come, come here. And he rolls into the cage a couple dollar bills. All of a sudden, we're like, <laughs> like our tongue is out. We're excited. Our, our tail is wagging. And we dive right into the cage. And then he just clicks it, locks you in. He looks at you and just says, got you. I got you. I made you trust money than more than God. I made you chase after um, material things more than God. I got you distracted because all of a sudden you rather get the little pellets than chase after God that owns the entire dog bag. He owns all the dog bags in the entire world. All the dog food in the whole world God owns, you could say. But all of a sudden the enemy comes and just throws a couple little pellets inside and we run after it with all of our heart, mind, and soul. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20, it says this. Death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are human eyes. And I thought that that's so interesting. Neither Death and destruction is never satisfied. Always wants more and more and more. And our human eyes are, are compared to this. It's like we always want more and more and more instead of looking at God and saying, you know what, God is enough. I'd rather have God than have the entire world. You know, and it's like for us, how many people sacrifice their relationship with God for everything else the world 
might have to offer. You see, it's crazy because, and just to show you too, a statistic that I read is that the average American makes about, a th every, for every $1,000 that they make, they spend $1,300. For every $1,000 they make, they spend $1,300. And you might say, how could they spend $1,300? It's because all of a sudden, we rely on credit cards. Thinking that credit cards is okay. Yet we don't realize every time we use a credit card, it's like we're choosing to be billed with interest, you know, sometimes 18%, sometimes I've seen 26% crazy things. And you know what it is? It's because our eyes are never satisfied. Every time we see something, we want something, and we want it more and more. And I remember, and, and I'm going to even tell you from my own life, when I was like 18, 19 years old, I had my credit card, and I thought I had that money. Like when I got that credit card thing, it said credit limit, 5000 I was like, thank you, Jesus. You know what I mean? It's like I thought all of a sudden that 5000 was my money. It wasn't my money. It was that they were willing to lend me the 5000 but I got to pay with interest. And I remember I had two credit cards with $5,000 limit. And at the same time, I remember being 19 years old and being $10,000 in debt. And I worked in Bradley's, collecting the carts in Union, stacking them on the side. Some of you went to Bradley's and left those carts way too far for me to get. And some of you don't even know what Bradley's is. Don't worry about it. You're young. So uh, that was my first job. I used to collect it. And I was getting paid $4.25 an hour. And I was collect putting them there on the side. But yeah, I had 10 Gs in my wallet. I had 10 Gs with those two credit cards. So all of a sudden, it started charging everything, everything that I wanted. And then all of a sudden, I realized I was in trouble. And little by little, of course, I chipped away at it, and I ended up getting out of that debt. But that's just to show you that our eyes are never satisfied and that the love of money can lead us to many different griefs. I don't know if you've noticed. I think you have. Many of us are on social media. But when all of a sudden you're looking or shopping for something on Google, you pop up on your Facebook account or your Instagram and you see the same thing you were looking at pop up as advertisement. I'm like, yo, these people, they're onto me. And you know, you know, it's so bad too. It's just because Jen, I know what Jen ends up looking for because it pops up on my account. They know we're linked. So all of a sudden, it's like yesterday, I was like, hey, Jen, were you looking for this? I was like, how do you know? I was like, these people are on to us. So what ends up happening, the companies know that we're never satisfied. The companies know that we want more and more and more. And I know for sure many of us have seen this, and this is the thing that gets me, is there's random advertisement that pops up, and it says, you want this. How, how many of you have seen this? It's like the advertisement comes up, and it says, you want this. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I, I, I think I kind of do. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, because it tells you that you want this, you feel like you want. And I'm going to give you a couple examples real quick. I saw this pop up once. It's a pet rock right there, pet rock. The advertisement came up, 
pet rock. And something that's funny too, it says the, the box, you might not be able to read it. It says this box contained one genuine pedigreed pet rock, okay, with an instruction book on how to handle the thing. And all of a sudden this comes up and it says you want this, like in big letters. Some of us here would buy that pet rock. Some of us would. Or you, maybe you've seen, maybe you see this. It's an otter tape dispenser. Who in the world needs an otter tape dis- dispenser? I can't even say it. But how many of you, if you would see it on your Facebook, it says you want this. All of a sudden, would any of you guys buy it? You know, a reg- uh, Josh says he wants it. A regular tape dip- dispenser does the same exact thing. I'm gonna, now I'm going to give you something that you might actually want. Guys, before I show you, you want this, all right? All right, ready? Now this, this is like the size of a credit card. It's a 12-in-1 tool card with a fire starter, a whistler, and it's called a survivor kit with a camping knife in it as well. Right there. You want that. It pops up on your news feed. It's like you want that. And all, these are real items. All of a sudden, you feel like you would want it. And now, I didn't want to leave the ladies behind because even though some, some, some ladies be like, that's what I want. I want a knife. I need a knife. I live in Elizabeth. Um, so, so here, some cute owl socks. All right? You want this. All right? How many of you would want the cute owl socks? Okay? A couple of you guys. Cute owl socks, you know. But... But, but this is the thing. You get the point. It's like in our social media, it's like people know that a lot of times we chase after things we don't need. And all of a sudden, we're lured into cages and traps to end up chasing after things just because it's before us and before our eyes. I'm going to tell you three lies that we've believed in. And it's going to be behind me. The first one is this. Having more money and things will make, will make me more happy. Okay? That's a lie that we've believed. To have more money and things will make you more happy. And all i got to say, how many times we've seen people that are rich and have everything, and they've taken their lives because they're not happy. They've taken their lives and because they've chased after money and money left them empty. But for some reason, we sit here, we're like, you know what? If we had more money or more wealth or more material things, we would be more happy. You know, another lie we we believe. Having more money and things will make me more important. And you believe that. If you have more money, more wealth, more material things, all of a sudden you become more important. And the last lie that we've believed in, having more money and things will make me more secure. All of a sudden you feel because you have those things, you're more secure. Instead of depending and trusting God in our security, we trust the things that we have. And let me tell you, for many of us, no matter how much you have, no matter how much you own, that could change like this. In a blink of an eye, in a blink of an eye, things could change. Imagine you and your spouse lose your job at the same exact time. You can't pay your mortgage bill anymore. You lose your house. You lose your car. You know, 
things could change when we trust material things instead of trusting God. And let me tell you, of course, when you trust God, doesn't mean that things are all going to go beautiful like a red carpet. But at the same time, you know that no matter what happens in your life, God will provide. God will sustain you. He is your security. And he said he's never going to leave you, abandon you. So you know you could trust him with everything that you have from the depths of your being. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says this. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Even if you look at this passage alone, you forget everything else that happened today. You forget how we had the tug of war. You forget everything that we did today. And just in that one passage, keep your lives free from the love of money and then it says, and be content, be content. That, that is your foundation. It says, uh, be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So right now, this moment, no matter what you're going through in your life, whether you have a job or you don't, whether you have money in your bank account or you don't, whether you own material things or you don't, no matter what your situation is, here it tells you that God is never going to leave you or forsake you. To be content with what you have and know that God's not going to leave you nor forsake you. So that means that no matter what valley you're walking through, you're not walking through that valley by yourself. You're not walking through this by yourself. But you know what happens when we walk through these valleys? A lot of times our eyes are looked at the pebbles that are being thrown inside the cage instead of looking at our master that's in heaven. You're trying to serve two masters. You can't have your eyes towards heaven looking at Jesus and looking at the pebbles at the same time rolling into your cage. You could only focus one direction. You can't listen to the two voices and respond the same. You could only obey and follow one voice. But a lot of us try to follow two masters, try to follow God and also follow what the enemy is whispering in our um, ears. I'm going to leave you with this four action um, um, points that you could end up doing. Action items. Number one is this. Resist comparing what you have to what other people have. That needs to stop today. No more comparing. Because all of a sudden it's like when you compare you all of a sudden, you, you forget what God's given you. All of a sudden, you look at, all of a sudden, you pull up, and you, you got a 19, like, whatever. Like, I said 19. We're in 2000. My bad, yeah. Let's <laughs> just show you, let's uh, just show you the, the year of, like, my car. So, all right, so you, you, you have, like, a 2000, like, 17, whatever car. You pull up, and, you know, God's blessed you with an amazing car. All of a sudden, you glance over, and all, all of a sudden, uh, a church member drives by, and we're like, yo, what's up? 2019, like, you know what I mean? Like, and all of a sudden, you forget the blessing that God gave you because you're comparing yourself to someone else. You overlook what God has given you. Another action item, rejoice in what you do have. Be grateful. It's like, like it was mentioned during worship, too. It's like, you know, we woke up today. We have breath in our lungs. You know, we could move our bodies. 
we're able to speak and enjoy fellowship and relationships in our life. You know, like there's so many things we take for granted and we choose not to be grateful. Now, let me tell you something is throughout scripture, you see so many times the command to be grateful, to thank God for what he's done. When was the last time we literally sincerely thanked God for the blessings he's given us in our life? Is it every time we approach God to pray, is it to ask more and more? Is our prayer a reflection of our love of money? Because a love of money, it's never content. We just want more and more. So all of a sudden, we ch- pretty much transmit that into our prayers. It's like, God, just give me more. Give me more. Instead of looking God, be like, God, I have you. I have everything. With you, I have everything. Because you're, every, like, in my, in my heart and my soul, there's nothing more than I would want. And I know deep within you, then have God above everything else. Another thing, not only to resist comparing and to rejoice, number three, return 10% back to God. Return 10% back to God. And for some of us, we might be like 10%, but now look at this. After everything I've said, I want you to see the spiritual meaning of why, remember, about 2,000 scriptures dealing with money, wealth, and all of that. Because God knows that that's the biggest competition within our hearts. Because a lot of times we have money sitting in the throne of our hearts instead of Jesus. So all of a sudden here he says, you know what? Give me 10% back. It's not because God needs the money. It's because you need to give it. So for the sake of your soul and your heart and the health of your spiritual walk. And if you're a true disciple, you do that and you follow through. And I want to even read this in Deuteronomy chapter 14, 22 to 23. Here, the Israelites trying to understand about um, tithing too, but I'm going to highlight mainly the last verse. It says this, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the um, tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. Um, in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as dwelling of his name. So pretty much bring it to pretty much the place of his name, the dwelling for his name. And then it says, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. So here it's like God trying to instill the discipline and the command of tithing. And it says there, it gives you even like the meaning so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. And the word revere pretty much is synonymous to respect, appreciate, value, honor, and love. You know who your source is. Because right now this moment, if I just happen to go and go inside my pocket and pull out a bag of jelly beans, not jelly beans, gummy bears, if I, I said jelly beans, I love jelly beans. Thank you, Charlotte. Charlotte bought me a bag of jelly beans once. All right, check this out. A bag of gummy bears here. Brand new bag. How many of you like gummy bears? All right, many of you guys. Now, check this out. Here, there's 50 gummy bears inside this bag. Now, if I would give you this bag, give you this bag, and as I'm walking away, turn back and be like, could I have five 
Five. Five little looking bears. That's all I want. Five little bears. I don't even care what color you give me. You could give me the red one, the green one, the yellow one, the white one. Five out of 50. Would you even think twice about giving it? Because of the source that's given you. But five out of 50 is 10%. But I've mentioned this in the past. How many times, sometimes to a little kid, I've done it. You give this to a little kid. Like, hey, a bag of candy. He's like, yeah, thank you. And you're like, could I have five? And I've heard no so many times. It's like, no. I was like, yo, give me that bag back. I'm the one that gave it to you. Like, you know, like, and for you to see, it's a fraction of the amount, but it's all about what's happening in the person's heart. For all of us that we're adults, like, we see the bag of jelly beans. You're, you're giving me 50. I get to keep 45. I'm giving you five buck ba- back. That makes complete sense to us to want to give it back to you because of the source. But to a little kid, they don't see it that way. It's like they, they just want it. They want more. And whatever you could give them, it's like, and a lot of times they don't want to share back. So for us, I wonder where we are in our relationship with God. Because in many ways, we respond the same way to God. You want us to give us 10% back? It's like, no, nah, I'm keeping everything. And then God is from, from heaven. He's looking down. He's like, I gave you everything you got. I gave you your breath. I gave you your, your muscles that could earn the living that you're earning, your mind. I've given you your car. I've given you your apartment. I've given you so many blessings. And I'm asking for a fraction back, and you're hesitant. I'm asking for a fraction back. And all of a sudden, God, obviously, does God really need five gummy bears? Does God really need like 10% of what we have? But your heart does in obeying what he's asking you. Because the moment we choose not to obey, we're choosing the love of money more than the love of God. We're choosing to chase after whatever we could have more and more of him, of of chase after more and more of money, more than what God could give us. And the last point I want to give you, this is this, refocus. Refocus on managing your wealth to honor God. Next week, Pastor Gary is going to be teaching, and he's going to be teaching about what we do with what God's given us. Managing the money that we have, pretty much the principles from Scripture on being good stewards of what he's given us. Because you know what it is? We also think is that if we give God the 10, we could do whatever we want with the 90. We want to honor God with everything he's given us. And a lot of times we make so many wrong decisions when it comes to our finances that impacts our life and cripples us and doesn't allow us to do what God really wants us to do. In Psalm 24, 1, it says this. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So right there, you clearly see the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Do you see that? Everything in it. So whatever you have in your pocket right now that you think is yours, that's God's. You know, whatever you have in that closet in your house that you keep hidden in that little shoe box or that little can that you wiggle a lot and you try to think how much money is in that can, 
That's actually God's. You know, whatever you have in the bank account, whether it's a dollar or $5 billion, you thought it was yours, is actually God's. Whatever car you're driving, whether it's a 19, I don't know, I'm not big into cars, but 19... 20, he said 20, Pinto, I don't even know if Pintos were back then, <laughs> whatever, or if you're driving the newest Lamborghini, it's God's. A lot of times we think that things belong to us when they're really God's. And here it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, and not only are the things, but all who live in it. You belong to God. In Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And after we've talked about all of this, now mind you, the theme of this year is disciple. Be one and make one. So here, these are things Jesus said to his disciples as their disciples were closed and everyone was near them. Jesus was asked also here in Matthew 22, verse 37, 39, and he, he was asked, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus re replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Pause. Did Jesus say love the Lord your God with some of your heart? With most of your heart? With half of your heart? He said all of your heart. And with all of your soul and with your uh, and all of your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So here, God wants us to give him our whole hearts. He doesn't want nothing to compete with it. And I wonder if we've been worshiping money and not even realizing it. If we've been worshiping material things. And not even realize it. If we've been obeying the whispers of the enemy, the lies of the devil more than God's truth. I wonder if we've been chasing after the little pellets into the cage more than what God has told us and the freedom that he wants us to have. I wonder if today you're willing to decide that you know what? Even if you don't own or have anything else, as long as you have God, you have everything. You're willing to trust God for your security, for everything that you have. You're willing to trust him because he'll never leave you or forsake you. And I wonder if that's you. I'm going to ask you to stand in your seat as we close in prayer. This is a time period where you realize it's like, you know what? It's like I need to put God in, uh, in the center of my life. I need to put God in the very place that he deserves. Maybe at this moment, even in your own life, you realize is that you haven't committed to tithe and to give God what's his. And maybe today you realize it's like, you know what? I need to develop that discipline in my life. Whatever it is that you might be feeling in your heart and you want prayer, I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet right now as we close in prayer. And just to let you know, we, every single person in this room have struggled with this in general. Everyone. You know, there's no one in this room 
that at one point or another didn't struggle wanting more or chasing after more instead of chasing after God. Father God, as we're here, standing before your presence, God, the series this month is trying to serve two masters, and we right now we ask for forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness for trying to serve two masters. We have to love one and hate the other, but in our lives, we've been loving you and loving money and wealth and material things as well. God, forgive us for chasing after the pellets that the enemy throws within the cages in our lives. So many times we find ourselves in cages of discontentment. So many times we find ourselves in cages of just comparing ourselves to everyone else. So many times we find ourselves in um, cages doubting who you are and what you're able to do. So many times we find ourselves in cages being angry of why things are the way they are. So many times we find ourselves in cages questioning so many different things because of the distraction and the confusion the enemy brings to our life instead of looking to you. So many times we put ourselves in cages, find ourselves in cages, because we believe that it's our own strength, our own wisdom, our own mind, our own talents that brought the wealth into our lives. When the truth is, it was your hand, God. It was your favor, God. It was your grace, God. It was your open doors, God. It was the move of your spirit, God that took care of things behind closed doors, that took care of things behind the scenes. You're the one God that's sitting on the throne. You're the one God that controls everything. And God, you are king. Everything belongs to you. Forgive us, God, for feeling as though we actually own certain things, God. For, forgive us, God, for feeling as though that what we have is ours instead of it's yours, and you just given it to us to be a steward of it. God, right now, even with hands up and surrendered, we surrender our heart to you. We surrender our soul to you, our minds. And we ask you that right now that you would help us break down every wall, every mindset that's not of you. We declare that our heart, mind, and soul, we're going to love you with every ounce of it, God. God, forgive us for giving a quarter, a half, or three quarters to other things and just giving you a portion. As we walk through this year desiring to be a true disciple, God, we give you permission to transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. God bless you.